1: It begins in Orlando, Florida, and travels steadily to the west, beaming across North America and planet Earth, and into your head. The world of safety never stops, and now the Safety FM podcast and broadcast with Dr. Jay Allen.
0: We are streaming live from the Safety FM Roadshow now. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by safety focus moments. There are consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Okay, I told you from the very beginning that this is where we're going to be hanging out live today, talking about the things that are going on at the ACFS Safety Day 2021. Uh, so I am here, 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 hanging out with Daniel. I don't know if I'm allowed to say where you work. If I'll i leave it. Matter of fact, I'll leave that up to you. Say hi, Daniel. Hello, everyone. Yeah. So, Daniel what? brought you to this lovely event here today? How did you hear about it? What's going on? What? How did,
1: matter of fact, let me start off with the important part. How does it feel to be around people again? First of all, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad that we're starting to roll back some of these uh, COVID restrictions. As people are getting vaccinated. It's super awesome. Um, I found out about the ACFS through my coworker, Travis Chapman. Uh, we work for Brassville and Glory. He started inviting me to some of these meetings, and I heard about Safety Day, and I was all about it. <laughs> so is this the first one? Is this the
0: first one that you been to yes this is the first one. Oh, okay. this is definitely a different event from than what it has been in the past that's for sure so as you look at this and you talk about it and kind of think about it what did you think about the whole thing when we first started off or you started hearing about what this was going to look like because we knew at the time where there was definitely going to be some mass and different covid restrictions and things along those lines but now there's been some change where people had been vaccinated and all that kind of stuff so how comfortable uncomfortable or how do you feel about the whole thing
1: uh, so i was comfortable from the beginning you know uh, since the pandemic has started being a essential employee we've not really changed other than adding the new protections with social distancing and the face mask but we've been around each other from the beginning um, not on a setting like this where we're, it's learning and engaging with non-co-workers so this was exciting um, i knew that there were going to be protections in place uh, if we weren't vaccinated but As I said, you know, I've been vaccinated and most people are going that direction. So it's nice. Very cool. Very cool. So with this being the first experience, what drove you here after Travis told you about it? Why did you say, hey, let's do this? Uh, Well, i Got my CSP last fall, and um, so immediately once you get that, you think about getting CEUs. <laughs> and they said, hey, you get uh, CEUs for attending. And I said, okay, that's enough that I needed. I will be there in person. So tell me a little
0: bit about what you do. Tell me about the world of safety, how you see it. I know that everybody has a different concept. I almost talk it all, I talk about it almost like it's the force or a religion or depending on how you want to take a look at it. So what's your concept? How do you look at the, at the big scheme of things?
1: I, so I originally started in Heavy industrial, uh, petrochem, and uh, the safety culture there was um, like the old view or safety one, as I hear it referred to. Um, since moving to Brassville and Gory, I've been. I uh, was introduced to Dr. Todd Conklin. I, I might know that guy. I, I might know him. Yeah, I, I believe you do. <laughs> um, a lot of people in safety know Dr. Todd Conklin, but uh, just listening to his presentation live uh, was. For me, it was earth-shattering, just thinking about, hey, this is what I want to pursue. I don't like looking for safety and trying to find out how the employee messed up. I want to know what led to that and how can we fix it on the supervisor end. Uh, So, Brassville and Gorey, uh, the company I work for, they embrace that wholeheartedly. Uh, We have Dr. Todd Conklin come talk to us uh, multiple times. I'm reading Bob Edwards' book uh, currently. I I might know him too. (laughs) A lot of these people I know, I'm I'm talking about, so you're very familiar with, with, uh, but I mean, even Bob Edwards' YouTube, I don't know if I can mention that or Oh yeah, go right ahead. His his YouTube where he talks about safety even at home and building in the capacities like the gate because he knows his kids are going to not shut the gate like (laughs) my kids so the simple thing of adding that spring I was like oh my god why didn't we ever think about this? Isn't it interesting from when you first hear the
0: concepts of what Todd speaks about in particular about how did we not know this was right all along I mean that's like the first thing that came to my mind what was coming to yours?
1: Yeah, I, I was like you know, as I was learning learning about it and understanding it more, I said, you know, I knew there was a better way, but why didn't I connect these dots myself? I mean, it seems so simple. Right. And he lays it out so well. And, and maybe just that he's good at bringing it to a layman's terms. Right. Uh, you know, but the fact that now I'm seeing a whole new way of doing my job that makes it enjoyable now. Used to it wasn't enjoyable because I knew it was us versus them. And, you know, looking for ways to do better by saying that they're the problem, and then reversing that 180 degrees, I just can't speak well, well enough and let's about
0: talk it. about that in particular, because that's where it becomes very interesting, because think about this for a second. So one day you're actually going into the organization, and you're saying, hey, these people are quote-unquote the issue. We'll, well, we'll name it that way. Right. And then all of a sudden, you do the 180 spin, and if you have the same workers at the time, and you say, hey, listen, I've changed on how I see things. They probably think you're full of shit. I mean, let's just be realistic.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I have had to do a lot of backpedaling and, um, you know, uh, eat crow, if you will. And I went up and said, hey, I know I've acted or done a certain way, um, but I've seen a, a different approach. And here's the way we're going to go moving forward. I'm sorry for what I told you before. Uh, and that was wrong of me. You know, here's how we need to approach it. And most of the time, you know, because it, given it's the safety guy, most of the time, we don't like to admit we're wrong. Right. You know, if I say it, that's the way it is. Uh, so them to have me come back and apologize to them and admit where I'm lacking, they uh, they seem to handle that pretty well. So at what point do they turn around and go, where's the real Daniel at? Who's this guy? Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, almost immediately because um, they'll they'll test you for a while. You know, it's not a, an immediate. They accept it. It's like, well, we'll see how he handles this. So, so how, what got you on to the journey of wanting to be in safety? Because most
0: people say that it normally something catastrophic occurs for you to get into it. What occurred with you to get you into the point that you're into now? Uh,
1: so I've always been interested in helping people on uh, my background is in law enforcement and EMS. Um, then I got into uh, carpentry as an industrial carpenter. Um, essentially, that's just a scaffold builder for the industrial world. Hey, don't give the secrets away. Don't give yeah, me away. A, <laughs> so uh, as I'm working enslaving in, in this hot uh, refinery, I see a guy walking by that was just hey, where's your safety glasses? And I said, you know, I could do that job. (laughs) I I, could really do that, and I shouldn't be breaking my back. So I started pursuing safety. And then I quickly realized that I only seen a small fraction of what he did. Uh, but that's how I got started. So how long have you been doing
0: it overall? 10 years. Oh, wow. Wow. So you, so you definitely have seen some things I would imagine in that 10 year
1: period. Yes. Um, like I said, the majority of my career has been in heavy industrial. Um, my last project was a cool government facility out in South Dakota. Um, and then because of family, uh, issues of dad being on the road all the time mom and the kids being back home in kentucky we decided to make a change and uh was offered a job in florida so well that, that's one heck of a change kentucky to florida yes well i didn't spend much time in kentucky anyway i i was on the road all the time the wife and kids stayed in kentucky they came to florida so how do you like it here uh we love it uh, the opportunities uh, for my kids both in school and activities to do outside of school uh, unmatched. So, so let's be realistic. The original thought when you move, were moving to Orlando was you're going to live at Disney. Uh, <laughs> originally, yes. Uh, but then we settled for the Tampa area. So I live in the Tampa area. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a, commu- I mean, it's,
0: we'll say depending on where you're located, it'd be like 60 to 90 miles depending on, on where you're located. So how do you like it out there in Tampa? That was, I'll tell you when I first moved here, that's where I moved to. But to me, it wasn't Tampa. It was Tampa Bay because yeah. that's what everybody called called it at least in my neck of the woods. It's <laughs> Tampa Bay. So how did you like it? how do you like it there?
1: Uh, so we love it. The the golf side is just a different feel uh, in Florida. You know, Florida is a big state, and different cities have their own different culture. So the golf side is a bit more laid back, a little closer to what we're used to being country folk, and um, the beaches are nicer. So so you like the party scene there. I don't, well, so it's it's, parts, la- it's laid
0: back, but it's kind of party-ish, <laughs> depending on where you're at.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, we're not in Tampa. We're Tampa Bay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we're, we're close enough that we can go do cool stuff, uh, but then far enough away that we don't get trapped in the Ybor City. Oh, well, it,
0: well, I think it's kind of funny when um, Channel Side was coming about, and this is going very localized for a moment, they kept on calling Ebor City, why boring, <laughs> is what they referenced it as, as as competitiveness. But let's talk a little bit about some other things. I have to tell you, the fir- the person that brought you into my life right now, I mean, we had spoken a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. but right now I had Josh Caldwell bring you over here, yeah. and apparently he has a pain point with you in regards <laughs> that he's saying that you have told Kayla Caldwell, Josh's wife from Married to Safety, that she is better behind the mic
1: than he is. And I think he's slightly heartbroken. I Yeah, I, I think I did take him by surprise with that comment. Um, so I've been listening to Safety FM. Again, my first interaction was with Todd Conklin, which led me to the Jay Allen show. And from there, uh, just blossomed into a bunch of different safety podcasts. And uh, so I started listening to Mary in Safety. Um, the content was super relatable. Uh, and. Real down to earth. She is by far better behind the mic uh, than he is. Um, but uh, he he does bring a lot of levity and humor to the topics. Uh, and like I said, they both bring it down to a level that a safety professional can understand.
0: Now, I'm going to tell you this because I know that I interviewed them a while ago but she does have a professional b- background in broadcasting. So that's, a, that's the, that's the trickery there.
1: I see. Now we're really revealing the secrets. Right. Myself. So
0: it's, it's kind of interesting, but that particular show, I have to tell you, it's one of the most interesting shows on, on the network in regards of concepts. Um, when I take a listen to it, it's, it's really giving that approach as a spouse that's re- that's actually tied into somebody who's married into this is really re- what the concept is. But it's interesting just to hear about how their portions are. Do you apply some of the, the things that they talk about to what you have going on in, in your family life?
1: Um, yes, I see that I am. Uh, but prior to actually hearing their podcast, it was just a natural progression uh, for me and my family uh, just because of The way that I had to do safety before traveling across the United States uh, and missing out on stuff at home. And like I said, even when I was present at home, not present mentally because of the things going on uh, with work. So listening to their podcast and how they deal with it as a couple has really helped me uh, refine the way that I'm doing things. Um, with my own wife and children. So does your wife take a listen every once in a while? Have you kind of slid this into going, hey, take a listen to this one? I I haven't yet. Um, Anytime that I talk about work, she immediately shuts me down. So... (laughs) I I need to try to filter it in with uh, new shopping extravaganza while we're driving to an outlet mall. I'm going to play it. just Well,
0: I'll I'll tell you, my wife has developed this whole pattern that she does, that when we're in the car together, she will decide to start reading to me because she knows there's no way that I can get out of it. So if she thinks it's going to be something I'm not going to pay attention to, she will turn around and start reading for me because there's no way that I can escape it. So maybe that's the way to go.
1: Yeah. The captive audience um, (laughs) in a vehicle is the best way.
0: And normally I'm the one driving, so it's not like I'm going to jump out or anything along those (laughs) lines. So tell tell some people about some of the things when you first started in this, if you don't mind, and how you thought about the concepts of safety one when you were doing it. And how long was it before you discovered the safety two aspect?
1: Uh, So when I first got started, um, I only had an OSHA 30 and they said, your job is to go out and uh, essentially be a bean counter, making sure that they have all their documents in place. Um, and that they're wearing their proper PPE. There was no real um, identifying and helping mitigate hazards because it was very, very defined in what they needed to follow. Um, Anytime that an incident would occur, we would go start immediately with, okay, here's the checklist of items they should have had. We know they're missing something out of this checklist. Um, And again, you're in private conversations with that project team, it was well. This employee messed up, so we need to show the client that we're serious about safety. They need to be sent home, uh, regardless of what the investigation lead uh, led us to. The root cause was always the employee, um, and I had real I had real heartburn over that um, because I was essentially messing with someone's livelihood over something that may or may not have been a result of their action. Um, so I had worked in that uh, field for many years um, and then just through my own investigation I I would then find myself not changing the facts but presenting them in a way that the employee wasn't looking like they were just a major screw up um, and trying to protect them while making the workplace safer. Uh, It wasn't until I came to work with Brassville and Gorey and they invited uh, Todd to speak to us as a safety group as a whole that I learned about safety too Uh, and again when, when I heard about it Just uh, listening to Dr. Conklin talk and seeing his blue line, red line, and how work is imagined. It was like I was learning safety all over again. Essentially, I was. Um, So I started to deep dive and finding his podcast and uh, connecting to people on LinkedIn that were hop coaches and reading their books, you know, and listening to your podcast, trying to develop uh, my understanding of how we can make workplace safer and more enjoyable for the employee knowing that the interactions with the safety guy isn't going to result in a negative consequence or them losing their job or getting time off Uh, and you know applying the fact that taking someone's money is not always the best way to teach them uh, how to do better well that, that's true
0: that, that's definitely true in regards that's not gonna teach them how to get better just in regards to actually taking their money so how long ago roughly you said when you started how long ago was that, that that's just two years two years so you're relatively new to this and yes. so you're still definitely le- learning a lot about it so that's that's really cool so as you have looked at this and trying to translate some of these concepts over to what you're doing what are we doing wrong because I mean not all of it's perfect let's be realistic so my, or, or, or let me rephrase that. I shouldn't say wrong. What does what needs more work to be applicable out in the field?
1: So the the biggest thing that I've been getting pushback on from my supervisors and people that I'm trying to introduce into the uh, human organizational performance is how do we uh, balance between accountability and blame? And I'm reading that in, in Bob's book right now, and I'm sure there's another book that I've not read that kind of will define that a little better, but. Um, You know, it it always has been status quo to go to blame, Um, but now that we're taking blame away, how do we still balance that with accountability? Um, For those, you know, because there are the occasional employees that will make a mistake purposefully I know we don't in the hop world I've noticed we we don't like to say that people are there to do bad work but sometimes no, no there there is there's, there's people there so um, in getting buy-in for the people that I'm dealing with and pushing this idea is trying to define better accountability versus blame and how do we not blame but still hold someone accountable have you read the the
0: book by Brent Sutton called "The Practice of Learning Teams"? I don't remember if we had this as a conversation or I, not. No. I so don't this so. is a book that he's talking about the concept of learning teams, and it, I mean it breaks it down to a ver- kind of a, a very linear level. It might be something worth looking at. It's um, Brent Sutton, Glennis McCarthy, and Brent Robinson, hmm. um, of course. As you would imagine, they are tied into into our little radio network here of things they do. They're actually based out of the UK, but they took actually Todd's Better um, better Questions book and really broke it down into essentially that, Better Questions, and really having what they did to come up with the book concept was they did a learning team on learning teams to be able to uh, to adapt to how to shoot this book route. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting concept. And I think that as we take a look at this across the board is that when you do have the occurrence where you have the team member or employee or potential future customer and i say future customer because they're no longer going to be employed um that does something intentionally that's what some of the conversations that we don't normally have and i think that that's a lot of the stuff that we're talking about now it's interesting because when we take a look at the whole concept of human and organizational performance it's been around for about 25 years give or take 30 depending on who you talk to But there's not a lot of discussion about that portion. What if somebody does something intentionally wrong? And I think that that's where a lot of this conversation is starting to go now, especially with people asking essentially better questions about it. Well, Daniel, I'd like to tell you thank you for coming on to the show today. I really do appreciate having you you on. Thank you for having me.